everyone, and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm Nicole Kamanjian. I'm here with Cody Richard and the host of this show, Jeff Rappaport. This is episode 233, and today we're going to go over part two of lease options versus owner finance. While listening to this episode, if you guys have questions, please head over to the Creative Financing Podcast Facebook group. If you're not part of the community, just search the Creative Financing Podcast in Facebook and ask to join. There will be a live session on the second Thursday of every month, so bring your questions. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can ask your questions in the comments below. Lastly, we want to thank you for subscribing, liking, and sharing this podcast with your friends. All right, here we go. We're going to start our second episode on lease options versus owner financing. And now we're going to talk more about the owner financing side of things. And the good and the bad, the the pros and cons. And uh, so both of you, if you have questions, um, let me know. Just stop me as we go. All right. So owner financing can include a number of different strategies. As we have discussed on this podcast, I mean, we can talk about contract for deed, all-inclusive trust deed and notes, subordination, options, lease options, all all kinds of stuff. But for this, we're going to keep it fairly simple. And so we're going to talk about as if, you know, trustee to note or or a mortgage, depending on what market or state that you may be in. Okay, so simple. Um, And really the difference between a trustee to note and mortgage is little to none. Uh, They act as if they are the same, but there are states that work um, as mortgage states, and there are states that are trustee to note states. Um, And they both do the same thing, which is secure a lender's um, interest to a property. So if a bank makes you a loan, Nicole, uh, they want to know what's the collateral, and they want it to be secured against that collateral. That way, if you default uh, you may not have any money to pay them, but they will come after the collateral, right? And they both act basically the same way. Okay, and so one collateral of the, being like the being the property or yep anything else you own. <laughs> well, the, in most cases, it's just that particular property. That's why they want to know what the value is, and that they make certain loans to. Uh, to be at certain loan to value so that they have the equity in it to protect themselves. So that's typically, but yes, there are lenders that, that, hey, you may have to secure a loan with other properties that you have or other assets that you have. Uh, But when we're talking about a mortgage and a trustee to note, it is securing against that particular property. So if you go to the county recorder and you look up a particular property, you will see whether it's a trustee note or a mortgage that's attached to that property, which is securing someone's interest, more, more than likely banks' interests that made a loan on the property, and that's how they're secured. Um, the do, the, So in every mortgage and every trustee to note, uh, there is normally a due on sale clause. And what this actually means is that 
if you were to transfer title to the property while still owing on that loan that the lender, whether it's a bank or an individual or a company, it doesn't really matter, has the right to call the loan due. Basically accelerate that note and make it due and payable. Uh, do they always exercise that option? Cody? No. <laughs> they, they don't. Um, more often than not, um, banks, lenders, individuals want payments. They don't really want to mess with the real estate. And as long as payments are getting made, that that's usually what they want. And uh, I'm not telling you that there's a 100% guarantee that they will not. I actually had a loan called last December. Um, it's only the second one in 20-something years, but uh, it was odd how fast it happened. Uh, someone screwed something up. Either the seller did something or the title company did because there's no way they could have found out that fast. And uh, ask me what I did. You just keep making the payment? I, I ignored it and continued to make the payment. So, um, and I never heard from them again, but uh, th that's where I would start. But you got to know that when you create notes that there are normally due on sale clauses. And when I say normally, if I was to create a note to one of you that I can decide if there's a due on sale clause and uh, more than likely I would decide to have one, but uh, I don't necessarily have to. Any bank, any institution, that they, they all have them. And one quick thing that I know you've talked about in the past, the, ignoring the due on sale clause sometimes works or often works because banks don't want to take a performing asset and make it a non-performing asset. That's right. And that to call it due, they'd have to reject your payments, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they, they can't accept your payment and call the loan due. They, they mm -hmm. can't do both. And they're actually going to take what's a performing asset on their books and make it a non-performing asset, which actually penalizes them. And uh, I can tell you on the first property that was probably called due in like 2005 or six, that the bank found out, and again... Uh, there's only like a few different ways that the bank's going to find out. Um, this was, again, a seller that had gone to the bank. I don't know why. I'd probably been making payments on this for like five years. Uh, there was no issues. Uh, I don't know why he decided to do so. But the bank contacted me, and uh, I knew only a fraction of what I know now. And uh, they said, you can just sign. You can be on the loan. Uh, we'll we'll just let you assume it, which means uh, I'm basically taking over for the previous seller, right? I'm taking his position. I'm now responsible for that loan. And uh, I didn't mind, and they didn't make me give them any paperwork. So I, I was able to assume the loan with no qualifying. Right. So I, I didn't fill out an application. I didn't uh, I didn't give them any financials, no bank statements, no nothing. Um, 
they just said come on in and sign some papers and so i thought you're gonna make it that easy i'll just do it <laughs> okay so um so let, let's talk about some characteristics of owner finance buyers uh so when we're talking about buyers they're, they're similar to the lease option tenants um they have some issue where they can't go to the bank and get a traditional loan uh and again it might be time on the job it might be their credit it could be their income that, that maybe they can't even show citizenship or they don't have a social security number um and again 65 to 70 percent of the actual population cannot qualify for a, a conventional loan so uh, we used to be able to offer these kinds of strategies to potential buyers and or tenant buyers um but they used to be the minority right now in the particular market we're working in we're actually working with the majority of buyers uh i don't know that that's uh, maybe the only other time that that's happened is when interest rates were like 15 percent. i think that was like uh maybe sometime in the 80s if i'm not mistaken uh, don't quote me on that one <laughs> um uh that they they have to have a down payment okay and one of the reasons that i like owner financing is remember we talked about for a lease option the expectation should be around three to five percent while on a on a down payment it is usually going to be around 10 percent or more and the one thing that i have learned over the years is that the best insurance policy i can get obviously i'm going to check credit we're going to make sure that they can afford the payment uh we're going to do background check we're going to do everything that we can do um you know what i've found to be the number one insurance uh policy for me when dealing with these types of people it's their yeah, money yeah how much money i got um i remember doing a lease option many many years ago and it took a while and i was getting to be a motivated seller and uh i had someone that answered my ad and said yeah i'll take it which i thought was really interesting because they hadn't seen it and uh I said okay so I want six thousand dollars um you know before you can move in and I didn't do any credit check nothing I I, I was motivated and I should have known when they brought me cash in 20s um for oh, six thousand dollars that there was going to be a problem uh <laughs> and there was well prior to like a year down the road the U.S. Marshals came and broke down the door and arrested everyone uh for cooking meth so uh <laughs> live and learn uh, <laughs> okay now obviously we want some people that want to own a property that may not be able to in any other way um we've already talked about the pets uh and how they're difficulties their challenges are going to be with renting a property and they you know they they want a house and they want to make it their own and they're uh, they're handy or they have friends that are handy and they can make these upgrades on their own so jeff um 
the sell or the buyer profile seems the same between like the lease yep. option and owner finance, yep. but yep. the owner finance, um, they may have a little more money for the down payment. Yep. So a lease option, if I'm understanding this correctly, helps people who maybe don't have like the 70 or the seven to 20%. So you're uh, giving them. Well, think about this. First of all, there's no guarantee. I'm someone, if you're offering a lease option, you may find people that are willing to pay you seven, eight, 10%. Um, uh, and when you're trying to sell a house, you could end up having people that offer you 5%. So it's not a hundred percent guaranteed either way, but think about it this way. Would you be willing to pay more down payment to actually own or would you be willing to pay more option deposit to rent? To so th that's typically what the, the the difference is, is that you're paying more to own as opposed to rent. Yeah, I was just, uh, I guess, differentiating like when you would offer like a lease option. So the versus owner finance. We yeah. will deal with that. But yes, um, uh, and it's probably not for the reasons that you're thinking right now. Um, uh, you may be, hey, maybe you're in a market where you think they have less money than more money. But I would tell you that that's not going to be the case. Um, okay. uh, there's going to be other issues and it's going to be more about the market that you're in um, or um, what your business model is and what you're trying to accomplish. And uh, to be honest, if you were trying to have a business model where you could acquire properties and create cash flow, um, you probably should have a mix. Um, uh, th that's like the easy answer. Uh, and I've done both, and uh, I'll share with my my some of my stories later. Uh, but now I have a particular business model, and. Uh, you may think that's a good one, or you may think, no, uh, I, I have my own and that's okay too. They both work. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So the advantages to the owner, which are going to be similar, maybe not exactly the same, um, as the, the lease option, the landlord, because, um, there's a few differences, but so one, we're going to get a bigger down payment, most likely. And like I said, to me, that's like your biggest insurance policy. Um, we're not going to be responsible for any maintenance. Um, uh, one of the things we're not going to be responsible for is taxes, insurance, and HOA. <coughs> when we're doing a lease option, we, we still pay the taxes and insurance and most likely the HOA. Um, it becomes much more true passive income doing it where we're selling the property on terms and we have a note. Uh, there's no need for property management. We're not managing anything. We don't own the property. Uh, this may allow the seller to, if they have some tax consequence on the property, it's been a rental for a while. Uh, what they they end up paying long-term capital gains and they pay depreciation recapture. And this will allow them to spread out their tax consequence over some time. They're only paying their taxes based on money that they're receiving. Okay. 
Um, typically, you can get top dollar for the property, or you could actually sell a property that might not be in pristine condition uh, and still get a good price. Uh, the last uh, couple episodes ago, we talked about Cody's example, and uh, I think Cody was surprised at what I would try to sell that property for based on not doing any of the repairs. Uh, that's one of the advantages of doing um, owner finance or lease option for that matter is that buyers, tenant buyers are willing to do some of the work. Um, they're looking more for the opportunity. And uh, we can continue to get monthly cash flow just as we were um, if we were to rent this property. And uh, we can more than likely... Um, Actually, it's we absolutely should be getting over and above and maybe significantly over and above what current market interest rates are. We should be able to charge significantly more. Um, and like I said, we're catering to a, a buyer pool that is really the majority now. All right, so what are the disadvantages to the owner? Um, well, it's actually a sale. And uh, that means that, hey, um, not only do you not get depreciation or appreciation, you have a tax, um, potential tax event. And uh, so sale as compared to no sale. Um, if buyer defaults, more than likely, depending on the strategy that you use, that you will actually have to foreclose to take the property back. Uh, and depending on where you live and what market you are doing this in, the foreclosure process can take several months. Uh, and there may even be like a redemption period. So uh, that you could, it might take you four, five, six months to take the property back. And then there may be a six month to a year redemption period where that buyer can come back and say, all right, I, I've got the money put together. I want my house back. Uh, the seller waits on their equity, right? That that's um, I, I don't know if that's really a disadvantage, but they're not getting all their money up front. And, uh, and one of the things that we have to do, and again, I don't know that it's really a disadvantage, more of like a... Um, it's just an annoyance is that we have to follow some Dodd-Frank and Safe Act rules to remain compliant. It's really not that big of a deal and it really protects the buyer. Um, but as a seller, it's kind of a pain. So, <laughs> all right. Okay. So as we start to wrap this episode up, let's talk about the advantages to the buyer. Um, they don't need bank qualifying, so they, they can bypass the bank and all of that paperwork. Um, they may get into the house for a small or low, uh, small down payment or a low interest rate. That's not what I would suggest if we are the sellers, but um, if we're the buyers, that's certainly a great deal. Um, uh, we can allow home ownership when there's no other way. Uh, if you remember the interview with Eric Sage, uh, he talked about that that's one of the things that he truly gets the most uh, 
the most gratification from is to be able to offer home ownership to people that may not be able to get home ownership any other way. Um, this is one of the things that I really like is that when you are um, selling a property to a buyer on owner finance, the buyer now, if it's been like a year or longer, the buyer is refinancing the property, okay? Um, as opposed to purchasing it. It's much easier to get refinanced than to get qualified for the purchase. So if the goal is for you to get cashed out, uh, you're giving yourself kind of a, a better opportunity to make sure that that's going to happen as a sale as opposed to a lease option. In these situations, do you usually get these buyers set up with like RMLOs or mortgage officers as well? Yep. To get in a good position to be able to refinance? Yep. Yeah. Uh, one is it's going to help you remain compliant with um, uh, Dodd-Frank and the SAFE Act. And really all it is um, to remain compliant is, so you got to know a few things. What well, one is, is that depending on the market, there may be uh, usury laws, um, which is what's the maximum amount of interest I can charge. So you, you want to know what I can't exceed. And second, that uh, when you go through an RMLO, the whole process is them filling out a loan application, uh, just like the loan application you would fill out if you went to a bank to apply for a loan. It's long. They want to know all kinds of stuff about you, all your financials, your expenses, your income, all of that kind of stuff, and supporting materials. And the whole reason for it is they want to underwrite this deal to make sure that the buyer can afford to live in this house. And um, and then, the, then it doesn't matter as much what's the interest rate, um, what are the rest of the terms as long as, you know, they're within all state guidelines. Uh, but as long as you've made sure that you're not selling to someone and putting them in a position where they're going to fail, that now you haven't taken advantage of anyone. So um, when you own the property, you can do what you want with it, right? You can make changes, you can add on, you can uh, do some renovations, uh, as a lease option tenant, you've got to get some approvals. And uh, you can um, you you could take uh, as the owner, you can sell this property at any point in time that you like. Uh, uh, so if the market was to go up and you can sell it and make a nice profit, you are more than open. It is your option to do so. Um, uh, when you own, you get the tax benefits of the property, um, uh, that has switched now. If you are a lease option tenant, uh, the tax benefits are staying with the owner. Um, you are more protected if you are on title. Uh, it's just the way it is. And, uh, so if you buy and you are on title, you are in the most powerful position that you can be in. Um, and if you're the buyer and you were you were to default on the property, an eviction, you might be gone in three to four weeks and 
depending on what market, it may be three to four months or longer because it's going to have to go through the foreclosure, which would give you uh, more time to hopefully resolve the situation in some way. All right, last slide, and we'll wrap this episode up. Um, here are the disadvantages to the buyer. Um, it's going to cost more, uh, just like we talked about with Cody's example a couple episodes ago, that, uh, hey, we're going to raise the interest rate. If I remember right, we were thinking around 8% um, and probably even a little more. Uh, we were going to get a higher price based on, you know, not necessarily past the ARV, but uh, based on what, you know, it may need in terms of repairs. And uh, so that this isn't uncommon. Um, we're offering a service that is not offered a lot. And uh, so, hey, people are okay typically paying more or putting more money down or paying a high monthly payment. Um, yeah, they may be paying for a house that's not in pristine condition. Um, they're not going to be as picky as people that are qualified for a loan and you know want what they want. And if they don't get it from your house, they can just go to the next one. Um, Got to be, um, as a seller, buyers, if the buyer is on title, um, anything that could attach to the buyer could attach to your house. So um, if you're not on title, much harder for any kind of lien or judgment to attach to the property. Buyer is responsible for all the maintenance, all the repairs, and including CapEx items, you know, roof, um, uh, sewer, uh, everything. And the buyer is responsible for all the taxes, insurance, and HOA. So those add up. Um, and yeah. that, that's the point of, hey, the, the advantage is you're the owner, you're on title, and you're getting some tax advantages, but you're paying for everything which comes along with home ownership. All right. Any questions? No, it sounds like both of these can be really useful just depending on what you're trying to accomplish as an individual or as a business. Yeah, and what I wanted to do is kind of show both sides of each. And mm -hmm. um, in the next couple of episodes, we'll actually break down some deals and we'll show what, what may be some of the differences when you are selling on owner finances versus lease options um so it'll it'll kind of give you a better idea of what how it could play out all right well uh we will wrap this up uh, we'll have two more episodes in this series so go out and create some terms mm -hmm.